From Relay FM, this is Upgrade, episode 388. My name is Mike Hurley. I'm joined by Jason Snell. This episode is brought to you by Bombus, Fitbot, and DoorDash. Happy New Year, Jason. Happy New Year, Mike. We're back. We're here. It's 2022. Mm-hmm. I don't know how this happened. Who allowed this to happen? Sorry, it was my fault. Oh, are you father time? Uh-huh. I have a hashtag snow talk question for you from Sims, and Sims wants to know, Jason, what did you do to ring in the new year? Oh, boy. Nothing that interesting. Mm-hmm. Watched watched some movies as, tra- as traditional, watched some TV shows as is not traditional. Um, we cut the cord, and what I found is that some combination of having fewer channels to watch and also the complete lack of... Uh, New Year's Eve coverage on TV that is fun to like count down the new year. It was all bad. It was all really bad stuff. I wanted to just put on a thing that was like light, you know, jollity and japes for the new year as the, we, we counted down. I really wanted something from like a ballroom in London or something. And instead it was just like people gyrating in Miami and people gyrating mm. in Times Square who were freezing to death. And it was not that interesting. Um, so... So yeah, so the televised entertainment part wasn't that good at the at the end. So we just kind of shut it all down, waited for the the new year to arrive, and said happy new year, and then we went to bed. <laughs> that was and that was actually you know what I did. Let me let me rephrase this now mm-hmm. to the, what Sims is really not expecting, which is you know what I did to ring in the new year. I checked to see that all the scripts that I had written for my weather station <laughs> that that I tried to intuit would break it on January 1st unless I um, was careful actually worked after midnight. I ran them all to see. And the answer is, no, they were broken. So I fixed those scripts because I didn't do something right in them. I was very clever. I was aware it was going to be a problem, but I mm-hmm. fixed it the wrong way. And then I fixed them and then they worked. And then I went to bed. <laughs> that was, in the end, that was how I rang in the new year is I fixed my own particular uh, Y2K22 issue. Amazing. And, uh, and then, and then I, I went to sleep. Very nice. Uh, we watched Queer Eye. All right. That's the nice. The new season. Oh my God, it's so good. We did When Harry Met Sally, which is, uh, right. kind of a New Year's Eve tradition for us. We did not get to the Marx Brothers this year. Um, Lauren was like, I feel like we just watched Duck Soup. And I said, well, we didn't. We watched it exactly a year ago. <laughs> She's like, well, I don't want to watch it again. Um, and which led me down a rabbit hole where I found that A Night of the Opera, which is maybe the best Marx Brothers movie, um, is other than Duck Soup, perhaps, is has a just got a restoration and came out on Blu-ray. So I ordered that on Amazon. That's one of the things I did to ring in the new year is ordering a Marx Brothers movie from whatever, 90 years ago. Um, but yeah, that was it's, you know, stay up, watch some stuff, have a nice time. We, I had a bottle, a big bottle of um, Lambic beer that we opened. You know, it's it's uh, married people New Year's in the time of uh, Omicron, I suppose. Yeah. Thank you to Sims for that question. If you would like to send in something to help us on, open an episode of the show, just send out a tweet with the hashtag SnowTalk or use question mark SnowTalk in the Relay FM members Discord. I have a few items of follow up for you, Jason Snow. Okay. Uh, I wanted to just say that I watched No Time to Die. Over the break, the James Bond uh-huh. movie. And you found time. I found time to to watch. No time. No time to die. It was incredible. I would have included it on my 
uh, upgrades nominations. Ah, that was so what the ingredients were right, is what you're saying. It was so good. It's so good. It's just a great movie, and it's an especially great movie if you're a James Bond fan. It was really, really great. Right. Daniel Craig is the best. I haven't seen the last two James Bond movies, which is funny because I've seen I all of them. I either. So. I hadn't seen Spectre. So I, I, we watched Spectre and then No Time Today. Mm. Very good. Recommend. I'll get to it. Big recommend. Um, Mela, the M-E-L-A, Mela, the uh, recipe app, got the library sharing that we spoke about. Oh, that's uh, that's now public? It's It's out out now. Yeah. Oh, good. Uh, So, yeah, I I immediately enabled that, and now I'm able to use it with all of the shared recipes that uh, Indiana and I have, because she had kind of gone in and added a bunch of stuff and that and I didn't want to have to go and do the same right because right. she was using paprika and moved from paprika to mellow um and yeah I love it I've been putting some uh, cocktail recipes in there that yeah I, I want to get a bunch break. I want to get a bunch of the we've got a uh in one of our um shelves we've got a big stack of recipes mm-hmm that are like cards from meal services and printouts mm-hmm. of things and all of that. And I really would like to get them in there because I like cooking with um, the iPad actually on the counter. It's nice. One thing I'll say about like the meal kit rest, like, you know, like the HelloFreshes, the Blue Aprons mm-hmm. of the world, most of their recipes, they also publish Are online. on their website. Yeah, yeah, that actually what I was thinking is what I'm going to do is I'm going to, because I did this with one that we were, that I was about to prepare. What you do is you get the card that you saved out and you search for that mm-hmm. recipe, find it on the meal prep site, and then Mela grabs it from the web page. Yep. That's the trick. And then you throw away the card. Super good. Very nice. Yeah. Very good app. Uh, if you are looking for the list of every nomination we mentioned on the show, because <laughs> we had quite a few people contact us and say, what was the name of this thing? What was the name of that thing? Yeah. The ones we didn't end up settling on as yeah. runners up. But Jason published a, basically a copy and paste of our document, which also has yeah. all the percentages in for the Upgradians votes in case you ever wanted to look at them. Um, for next year, I'm going to try and find uh, some kind of way of, of making this non-spoilery yeah. and available. I, I wonder if we can get our uh, our dear official uh, upgrade. Uh, what, what is his official title? Uh, as the, the keeper keep, of the upgrades, keeper of the documents. Yeah, Zach, mm-hmm. ke- ke- keeper of the upgrades. Well, if the we could, drafts. if we could ask Zach to add like an also mentioned or something maybe. just on upgrades dot com going forward. We're not going to go back through the the whole history of the upgrades, but maybe we could add something like that coming going forward. Where there's like these are the other ones that Mike and Jason mentioned that didn't end up. It's like it's an honor just to be mentioned. Yeah, there'll be. Not, uh, we'll think of something. I I don't know what the right thing to do is yet. I mean, the because re- usually we'd put all that sort of stuff in the show notes, right? But I right. don't want to put all the stuff in the show notes because then it spoils it if you look at the show notes. Right. So all the nominees, like so, like the the runners up and the winners are all on upgrades dot com, but not all of the nominees. So right. uh, we need to think of a way to do it because as well, it's like really, it's only apps and podcasts. That that needs to be right. That's true. You don't need to for like because the thing is wh- what I was thinking. A lot of this stuff is Googleable, but not right. all of it, right? And like, but like, you don't need if if we say all oh, the new James Bond movie, like, what could it be, right? Like, you can work that out on your own. 
Yeah, it's. I mean, it would be something too if like there was a story that one of us thought was the story of the year, and then we ended up not going with it, and mm-hmm. that the link might be valuable. But yeah, it's it's mostly here's a product with a name, and what we heard from people, especially as people who are not native English speakers, especially, mm-hmm. we'll say the name of something, and they'll be like, "I have no idea what they just said." No, so I get and it. So we're gonna we're gonna th- I think about it, whether it goes on the website or whether we find somewhere else to to but put it. I'm you not can sure check. In the meantime, I'm I've been using my microblog, which I had not ever used before, mm-hmm. uh, to post this along with a, a, a connected yeah. thing that I posted. You posted so, the yeah. original Pickies uh, rules. This, yeah. that's right. Should we do? We, do should we tell people that the picky the Pickies have their own website now? Uh, well, it's definitely going to come up on Connected because okay. we we haven't gotten to speak about the Triple J takeover on Connected which if you have no idea what I'm talking about I'll put a link in the show notes to this but like I don't really think it's going to help you but th- no. there's a good episode of Connected uh, that came out a couple of weeks ago that, that we I hijacked with yeah. John Voorhees and James, and James Thompson, Thompson because we had been we had been uh sort of become a running gag of threatening mm-hmm. to take over Connected and that like there was a succession plan and all of these things, which led to one of my favorite things I've ever seen in the Discord, by the way, which is, uh, I think it was Kate in their notebook wrote down succession plan, don't make one. <laughs> <laughs> Just, that is, which I think was John Voorhees' advice, was uh-huh. the trick is not to make a succession plan because then nobody will be in line to succeed you well, and the then you will survive. This culminated in the Christmas week episode, which had no ads and was originally just going to be a skip week. Mm-hmm. And several months ago, we had the conversation among all six of us, which was like, should we? And it ended up, I mean, the answer was we probably shouldn't. And so we did it anyway. It's amazing. And it, it's there, but really it, it, it's going to make the most sense for people who actually listen to Connected because yeah. it is sort of a loving, a loving uh, satire slash real episode of Connected mm-hmm. from a parallel universe. So, so yeah, we're going to, we, we're doing the annual Rickies um, yeah, this week. This week. But we'll, I think we, we, we haven't had the ability to talk about because we pre-recorded our year in review episode before that you, yeah. you even recorded, so I kind of love that because it meant that for a week the the connected audience is like they're not even they're pretending it did. Did I hallucinate it? Did that yeah. really exist? There was it really exists. Even so, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, the draft pennant that uh, you lovingly made that we spoke mm-hmm. about recently, your gift to me, uh, has found its home. Um, I've posted it up here at the studio. I've put it in a place. I'd originally put it, so the kind of the way I have my studio set up, I have this kind of like sound insulated, like blankets and, and barriers that go around my recording desk. And I had put it on the inside here. So it was behind me mm-hmm. when I'm recording. But then I thought to myself today, wouldn't it be fun to put it on the other side, which is then in view when I stream on Twitch? So now what you'll put people from this week's Twitch stream will see it. Uh, I put a link in the show notes to an image of what it looks like, and I think we'll, we've got one for you too, right? Yeah. Uh, and what I also like, you can see off in the corner is my connected mag tricky as well. I saw that. I noticed that. to a little that. Ca- metal cabinet. Uh, so yeah, that's now people will know um, at all times, whether I am the challenger uh, or the winner. So. Or the champion, yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm so happy about it. I'm satisfied now. It's not It's not quite the same as the, 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 the Ricky's trophies, mm-hmm. and that's okay. Tricky. But it is, it, it is a, the Tricky, yes, yes. the short, Tricky for short. Thank you. Uh, 
but uh, it is exactly what I uh, what I want. I think is just a little a little uh, flag there to signify the current draft champion status. Excellent. What I like is how big it is. Yeah, this is how I feel that you you know you're a certain dominance here. <laughs> like it's so much larger than any trophy that I have. But it's but it's two dimensional. It's flat. So uh-huh. in terms of volume, I don't know. But it's it's literally I got it to be just the size of the other pennants that I have that are my like that were on my childhood wall yeah. that are still that are on my size. wall here in my office. It's pennant sized exactly. Actually, by default, it was going to be bigger. And I asked the person who made it, "Can we make oh, it this size?" And she said, "Yeah, I can cut it down. That's that good. Size. That's fine." I also went to do a bit of follow-out uh, to our friend David's box uh, upgradey winner for Mac Power users. Uh, David today announced uh, that he is going fully independent and giving up his law practice. So many years ago, David uh, left his law firm and uh, kind of went semi-independent, right? Created yeah. his own law practice, continued practicing law and running Max Barkey. And he has now given up the law practice um, and is going full on Max Barkey and has created something called Max Barkey Labs, which is a really cool um, membership program. Uh, so yeah, I just wanted to put a link in the show notes to David's announcement of this and also to the most recent episode of Mac Powers where he talks about it. Because I love David. David's one of the nicest people on the planet and yep. uh, I really want him to succeed with this. So I just wanted to mention it here too. I have signed up to become a member of Max Barkey Labs uh, and I, I encourage you to also. Checking out. I uh, when he told me about this, I was very excited. Mm-hmm. I feel like he's been he he was talking about how oh I got to do this and I got to do this and I'm thinking about this because um, I saw when I was down at Thanksgiving I I saw him and I know you saw him shortly thereafter yeah and um it was funny because he's so agonizing over it right because he wants to take care of his clients and also it is this huge step like many of us have taken to be you know he already took the step to be independent but he brought you know he kept a law practice going he was independent but he was max sparky plus you know max sparky esquire it was kind of weird because like he was independent but still doing the thing he was doing before yeah still doing two jobs yeah yeah exactly right so it was you know, like I understood completely why he was agonizing over all of it. And yet from my perspective, and I think the perspective of everybody who knows him, it's absolutely the logical next step in his career. Um, Because the truth is that, you know, you how it's the same story we've all told is how can you focus on building this thing that you want to do if you've got this complete other thing? Like if you think about how great uh, a job David does with his Max Sparky stuff, like it's not his 100% focus. It's not been up till now. It's been a partial focus with this whole other job. And now it's his focus 100%. It's going to be great. And he's going to succeed wildly at it. And I know that, you know, it's easy for me to say because I'm not the one making the risks by shutting down part of my livelihood. But, uh, you know, I am extremely confident that he's going to do great. And, um, and uh, Max Sparky Labs, you know, we had all of us who have done memberships had conversations with David. Mm-hmm. So I hope that he has really kind of taken to heart a lot of feedback from a lot of people in dif- different kinds of membership systems and really tuned that thing. And I'm looking forward to see what comes out of Max Sparky Labs. Yeah, like I've seen various iterations that he showed me of like what he was going to be offering. And, and as it's come down to where it is now, I can feel everybody's hands on his shoulders. <laughs> You know, uh-huh. like yeah, there was on, very babe. much like let's all, let, let me promise the moon, and we're all like, no, 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 yeah. <laughs> just, pro- just scope it out. Yeah, <laughs> it's just the stuff we can do later on. 
and it, it's it's good. It, it the the end result is something that I think. And uh, like it's I be think really everybody good. else, I am so incredibly jealous of the name. Max Sparky is Labs is just yeah, a nice. great name for a membership program. Yeah. Like it's just such a good name, and I'm really jealous that he has such a good brand on it. Like it's just mm-hmm. it's really really nice. Um, and yeah, and I'm super excited about it. And so I just wanted to mention it here. And there's a bunch of stuff that you can go and read and uh, and check out what what David's up to. This episode of Upgrade is brought to you by Bombas. Bombas's mission is simple: to make the most comfortable clothes ever and match every item sold of an equal item donated. So when you buy Bombas, you're also giving to someone in need. Bombas designed their socks, shirts, and underwear to be the clothes you can't wait to put on every single day. Everything that Bombas makes is soft, seamless, tagless, and has a luxuriously cozy feel. They're made from super soft materials like merino wool, pima cotton, and even cashmere, which makes them perfect cozy winter layers as well. There is a pair of Bombas socks for everything you do. They come in tons of options, like comfy performance styles for every sport and activity that keeps you moving. I just, this weekend, I was doing some clear out of like my sock drawer, I took every pair of like uh, ankle like trainers like socks that I own like the performance socks that weren't Bombas and I put them in a bag to donate. I was just like, the, I'm never going to wear any of these again because they're just nowhere near as good. So gone, all gone. It was it was kind of Bombas Christmas this year. Um, we after having tried some uh, and gotten the rare approval of a teenager. Uh, Julian got basically it, it's a Bomba socks takeover. All his mm-hmm. socks now are just going to be those because he likes them the best. So he's we're not going to mix and match. We clear out the old crappy socks and it's all Bombas now. Bombas t-shirts as well. They're made with thoughtful design features like invisible seams, soft soft fabrics, and the perfect weight so they hang just right. And Bombas's underwear has a barely there feel that might make you forget they're even there, but in like a good way, like not in a weird way. It's a good way. And did you know that socks, underwear, and t-shirts, they are the three most requested clothing items at homeless shelters. And that is why Bombas donates one for every item that you buy. And so far, Bombas customers like you have helped donate over 50 million items of essential clothing. Go to bombas.com slash upgrade and you will get 20% off any purchase. That's B-O-M-B-A-S dot com slash upgrade for 20% off. One last time, that is bombas.com slash upgrade. Our thanks to Bombas for their support of this show and Relay FM. So let's talk about Apple in 2022. So you wrote a couple of articles uh, for Macworld mm. kind of detailing some things that we could expect uh, and things that you're looking for. And I kind of wanted to go through them and pepper in some. There's been some reports from uh, Mark Gurman as well over the weekend about maybe some mm-hmm. timelines for some of this stuff, which is exciting uh, as we look towards the new year. Uh, so let's first just talk about the Mac um, because there's still a bunch of stuff to come. So I guess the expectation is we will be completing the Apple Silicon transition in 2022 fully, right? Yeah, that's my expectation. I'm I'm not sure about the timeline. Mark Gurman seems to feel like they're going to wrap it up soon, which I'm sure was always their intent was to wrap. When they say it's going to be a two-year transition, I know we've talked about this, but like when Apple says that, they want to beat it. Like they're trying to be coy. They're, they they want to beat it, but we have all of the supply chain problems and all the product delays, and so I'm not entirely sure. I feel like everything's going to be announced, um, and that there'll be a an Apple Silicon version of everything. There is a rumor, by the way, floating around there that there's going to be one last revision to the Intel Mac Pro, and I I think that may be true because they may want to have like one 
Intel system that they can still have that's like for all their especially Mac Pro customers, institutional customers that'll like last a while. It's like if you really need to stay on Intel for a long time, you can buy this and it will stay for a long time. But I, I don't want to um, quibble about that because I think there will also be an Apple Silicon Mac Pro, right? I think we will be able to say that, yes, there's the, the last Intel Mac might be a revision to the Mac Pro, but I think they're going to do an, uh, an Apple Silicon Mac Pro, and that's going to complete the transition. The question is sort of when and and how, but I, I feel like they're going to do it. I think they're going to get under the wire, um, whether it's <laughs> whether it's mid-year or it's really like in December, I think they're going to do it. I think we're going to be in a, a case where all of the primary representatives of every Apple model will be in Apple Silicon, even if there are a couple Intel legacy models just kicking around in the background for a little while longer. Yeah, so Mark's report uh, in the Power On newsletter was saying that his expectation is uh, that they will finish the transition as early as June, so WWDC. And that will be Mac Pro and iMac Pro. Yeah. I don't think he mentioned anything about a Mac Mini, but I guess maybe that's just not of the most important. As as early as is doing a lot of heavy lifting there, right? Because it, as early as June, or it could be December, right? It li- literally could be any time after that. I think... Oh, yeah. I always get that one messed up in my brain when I see... Uh, for some reason, when he says as early as, I think it means n- no later than, but that's the exact right. opposite. Yeah. It, mm-hmm. It's it's you know it, it's like saying you could save as much as as five percent or you know you could save you could save as much as ninety percent right it's yeah. like well you could but it'll probably be two percent it won't be ninety percent we have sold over one hundred and seventy three units <laughs> yeah oh, you mean one hundred seventy four you're saying so yeah I like that we've been in business for tw- for more than twenty seven years it's like okay so twenty eight then got it got it good good timing there Thanks. so mm-hmm. I. Here's what I here's my prediction. Mm-hmm. Since we're in the prediction business here, we Love don't it. compete on on predictions like uh, you do on Connected. But well, we do, but there's just a one week uh, window on these things. Yeah, I suppose so. So I think that they will announce something at WWDC, assuming that they're confident that they can ship it by the end of the year. Uh, maybe even before that. But like WWDC is the right time to announce the Apple Silicon Mac Pro and it doesn't have to ship. I feel very confident that that's what they're going to do because they've done yeah. that two times before with this with this product. Like, okay, right. so they did with it with the Mac, the Mac Pro, Pro and the iMac Pro. And, but as we said before, that iMac Pro was the Mac Pro, right? It like, was. You know, yeah. uh, and so... Yeah. so uh, and, yeah. and, and there's no... Nobody is going to be like, well, you know, I was going to buy an Intel Mac Pro, but now that they've announced this Apple also, Silicon Mac Pro, either. it's just not going to happen. Right? Yeah. Because like every time they've done that, they keep the old product around. Like the Trashcan Mac Pro, you could still buy, yeah. I think, after they started shipping the other. And, and it, it will be the same. I am a believer in this rumor about the updated Xeon Intel Mac Pro. I think that they're going to keep that thing around in the background for a while because they know that they've got customers who are going to be like, oh, but I need this card or I need this driver and mm-hmm. it's on- I need this thing that's only on Intel. And they're going to be like, all right. Especially keep it in because the they're expecting it to be a different body shape, right? Like the rumors are saying it's going to be a different like yeah. case, Smaller. right? Yeah. So I think squatter. it would make sense that they will then keep the older one around, I would expect for a pretty long time. Kind of like the way you would see it in the laptops, right? Where like you can still get the Touch Bar MacBook Pro if you try hard enough. Uh right. Well, and they're kicking around and they have, they have inventory and they have refurbs and like Intel because there are people, believe it or not, who are going to need um Intel. Mm-hmm. They're just going to. Like so 
there will there will be ways for them to get it, but Apple's going to move on. And mm-hmm. and in terms of what that Mac Pro is, you know, I I think it's going to be just that compact rumor makes sense to me, especially if GPUs um, outside of the processor are not an option. There'll be storage and maybe some other uh, places where you could add connectivity. So internal storage and connectivity options to bulk it up. And that's why it's a, a big you know desktop tower kind of thing. Um, I think that's reasonable, but I, I think Apple's not going to do external GPU support this time. I think it's going to be exactly what we think it's going to be, exactly what the rumors say it's going to be, which is they're going to offer those M1 Max processors in 2X and 4X configurations. And um, that's what, a, and, and so the GPUs will scale and the cores will st- scale, but it's just going to be. I, I think we know exactly what this is going to be. I think you could predict it. I, I, I'm actually most curious about if they build in a bunch of storage and uh, expansion stuff inside what that looks like. But I think it's I think that's what the expandability is going to be is, is storage and expansion. And maybe, you know, maybe they'll do something else wild, like put the processors on a daughter card or something like that so that you could actually swap out the processors later. Like I wouldn't put Apple past, I wouldn't put it past Apple for them to say, we're doing, since we control this platform, we can, we can build it the way we want. And that includes some kinds of swappability that pros desire that maybe, um, weren't there before Mm -hmm. but um it's not going to be like it was it's going to be a totally different kind of take on it considering when this product is going to debut do you think it will be an m1 like i do yeah i do i i think that um although there will be an m2 this year and and mark german has that report and it's exactly what we thought which is basically it will progress just like the a14 to a15 m1 to m2 it'll be a little bit faster right that's just it's the same sort of thing i think apple's probably using the m1 as the basis right they do the m1 and then they do the m1 pro and max and then they the mac pro will have multiple m1 pro or max chips in it and probably max and uh, it'll all be based on the M1 because there seems to be like a real sort of amount of time that they need to build up to that point. And honestly, I'm not sure M2 Max would be enough of a thing to try and work. right. Yeah. Okay. Oh, and also, they probably have they have some thoughts about how they want to take their chip architecture for the Pro line going forward in terms of dual and quad. And probably M1 has some of that in it, but they probably got some other things that they want to do, maybe including having scalable graphics or something like that, that will be in a future version that they're working on. But I think M1 will deliver what they want now. And I don't think anybody's going to look at that M1 Mac Pro and be like, ah, it's a lightweight because it says M1 on it, because it's going to be M1 Max Quad and people are going to lose their minds. So I I think that's what it's going to be. From a design perspective, obviously we've got some new design stuff, right? We've got the iMac and the MacBook Pros. They are new. They have stuff that's interesting and different about them. Are you expecting any more surprises in 2022 from like a hardware design perspective on the Mac? Uh, I I think, I mean, a surprise is the question. Um, German has reported several times, so I, I'm going to take him at his word that the new MacBook Air is going to be a serious redesign. They're going to redesign the MacBook Air for essentially the first time since the MacBook Air as we know it was was introduced back mm-hmm. when. Because remember, they they brought it back essentially after they kind of left it uh, hanging. And the modern new version of the MacBook Air is a dead ringer for the old MacBook Air. 
I think that they now are going to do their new take on MacBook Air. And so it is going to look different. And what is that going to look like? And I do think it's going to have colors. So I think that's great. I think the MacBook Air is going to be, um, you know, the M1 MacBook Air is really nice, but it is indistinguishable. Take it from me, uh, somebody who lives in a family of MacBook Air users. <laughs> We have so many MacBook Airs in this house. My daughter was home over the break, and it's like everybody's got their own MacBook Air. There are four of them, and all of them are from different model years, <laughs> but they're all MacBook Airs, and they all look exactly the same. And the 2022 Air won't. It'll look different. You'll be able to tell at a glance that it's the new Air. And I'm I'm excited by that, just like I was excited by the M1 uh, iMac because it is uh, not that common when Apple takes a, a product, a Mac uh, product, and completely changes its exterior. Usually, it sort of it does it and then it keeps it for a while. And mm. and we're starting to see with Apple Silicon the opportunity for Apple to finally get some of these changes out there. So I think that'll be the new MacBook Air. Um, otherwise, I'm gonna. I mean, it's boring predictions, but I, I think that there the, will be a big iMac and it will be called iMac Pro. I think it will come in boring color options and not the bright color options because that's a very Apple thing to do. Maybe they'll have some colors, but they'll be boring iPhone Pro kind of colors. That's the old, you know, midnight lemon kind of thing where it's just all forest green and, and, and you know, midnight blue and other things that are almost the same. Maybe it'll come in black. That would be great if it was truly in black and not just a... A space gray, yeah. but I think that they'll use what they call pro colors, which is to say not colors uh, that are very interesting. But I think they'll, I think they'll call it a pro, and that it'll offer the pro processor options that are in the um, in the MacBook Pros, and maybe even offer like a dual, maybe not a quad like the Mac Pro, but maybe even a dual um, M1 Max option that'll cost a fortune, but it'll be super powerful. Um, we'll see. And it'll look different. I think it'll look more like the M1 iMac, but I don't think yeah. it's going to be all, all, all snazzy like that. And I do believe they'll replace the Mac Mini with a Mac Mini Pro too. That that Intel Mac Mini will get replaced by another kind of dark gray <laughs> Mac Mini that has um, a better cooling system and uh, the options for Pro and Max chips for people who want that. Obviously, we've mentioned it. It's been mentioned everywhere to death. I think at this point, but displays, yay. Yes. Yeah, it's gonna happen. It's gonna again. I in these MacWorld columns, one of the things that I love is that I end up picking the same thing, predicting the same thing year after year after year. Yeah. I I predicted the year of Apple Silicon three times in a row before mm. it happened. I predicted that external display three times, and I'm just gonna keep predicting it until it happens. But I really do. Before it was sort of like tinted with wish casting, and now it's just straight up. It's gonna happen. Well, I mean, also it was just like this is logical, right? Like it was like they, they should do this, so I'm gonna predict yeah. it because if I think they should do it, surely they should think it too. Right. And that doesn't always work out. But I think this year, and German again here, has, has said they're absolutely doing this. Um, I don't know what... If, if I had to guess, my guess is going to be that they're going to do two. I think they're going to do a 27 that is essentially the same display that's going to be in the in the iMac Pro. It's going to be a micro LED. And I think German said half the price of the Pro Display XDR. So we're talking about a $2,500 display. Not cheap, but... Better better uh makes you wonder what the price of the iMac Pro is going to start at and my guess is going to be probably like 25 2700 dollars is where it's going to start somewhere yeah. in there it's I mean, not going to be cheap I mean it was never a cheap computer right like the i well the iMac Pro the 27 inch even yeah. the 27 inch iMac was not like that's not your low price leader and oh. quite honestly the 24 inch iMac is is gorgeous and so i i think that that will exist and i do think they're going to update the Pro Display XDR to be 
uh, a micro LED, you know, basically yeah. to do all the things that it is lacking now that are yeah. in its laptops, where the laptop has a better screen than Can their five thousand dollar monitor. Do you mean mini or micro? Uh, oh, sorry. Mini Whatever is what it is, we have now in mini display because yeah, I think the, that that M1. is also a standard. So right, micro LED confusing. is in the Apple Watch. I think they're working on. That was a rumor that they wanted to do that for for some other devices. But yeah, it's a mini LED. It's the M1, or sorry, it's the uh, MacBook Pro display yeah. technology. The, I think they're the they're, they're going to roll that out everywhere. Yeah, um, and it's going to cost. But so I do think they will end up with a a Pro Display XDR replacement and a 27-inch standalone that everybody will complain about how much it costs and then everybody will buy it. That's <laughs> bold no. prediction, but uh, I do Let think me it's say right happen. now, uh, maybe I'll see if I can promise this. I won't complain about how much it costs because I know it's going to be expensive. So mm-hmm. if I buy one, I know it's going to be, that's right. what it's going to be, right? So I won't, I'll, I'll promise you not to complain about it. Yeah. This episode is brought to you by our friends at DoorDash. No matter what type of food you're looking for today, maybe you want pizza or maybe your flatmate wants Chinese, it doesn't matter what it is, there's something for everyone on DoorDash. DoorDash will connect you with the restaurants that you love right now, right to your door, and you can get grocery essentials that you need with DoorDash too. You can get drinks, snacks, and other household items delivered in under an hour. Ordering is so easy. You just open the DoorDash app, choose what you want from where you want, and your items will be left safely outside your door with their contactless delivery drop-off setting. We have 300,000 partners in the US, Puerto Rico, Canada, and Australia. You can support your neighborhood go-tos or choose from your favorite national restaurants like Popeye's, Chipotle, and the Cheesecake Factory. I find DoorDash very helpful when traveling. Sometimes when you're like, you know, you're away for a bit and you, you don't really know the area, but you have kind of done a bad job of planning your day and now you need to eat something, well, you end up being in a situation where you don't know what to do with yourself. And that's when you can open up DoorDash, see what's in the local area, choose it, and very easily order. And someone will bring it to the hotel and meet them in the lobby. So easy. This is what I did on a trip that we were on recently with DoorDash. It was really, really great. For a limited time, listeners of this show can get 25% off and zero delivery fees on their first order of $15 or more. Just download the DoorDash app and enter the code UPGRADE2021 in the US or UPGRADE AUS for Australia. That's 25% off up to $10 value and zero delivery fees on your first order. Just download the DoorDash app from the App Store, use the code UPGRADE2021 in the US and UPGRADE AUS for Australia. One last time, the code is UPGRADE2021 or upgrade AUS for the US or Australia. Then you get 25% off your first order with DoorDash, subject to change. Terms apply. Our thanks to DoorDash for their continued support of this show and Relay FM. I wrote down in the document a quiet year for the iPhone, because that was kind of a thing, a thing that you were um, mentioning in your article, right? It's not going to be yeah. the bigger. But then I started like thinking about it and looking around. I don't think this is going to be a quiet year for the mm-hmm. iPhone. So here's there's three things here, right? Um, one is we're going to see another shakeup in the product line because the expectation is that a iPhone 14 Max will enter the line, replacing the Mini, which is kind of yes. hilarious, really, because it's not really replacing it, but it's taking the spot that the Mini will be leaving right. as the Mini leaves the product line. Um, which is interesting to me. I mean, it's going to be kind of fascinating to see, really. Like, will the iPhone 14 Max sell more units than the iPhone 14, iPhone, an iPhone 14 Mini would? 
right. think the answer to that is yes, personally. Probably. Um, which is why they would do it. Otherwise, why, you know. Because I think I heard someone say this recently. I don't remember where it was. And, and I thought it was smart, really, of like, at the moment, if you want a big phone, you have to spend the most amount of money. But that's my, that's my counter argument is how many people buy the Pro Max, not because they want a Pro, but they want a big phone. And how much are they losing? And that's the calculation there is if you do an iPhone Max that's not Pro, yep. you are going to get some people to buy it who would otherwise not. But you're also going to lose some people who would have bought the Pro Max and now feel like they don't need to. But that, I mean, uh-huh. I would wonder if that is the same amount of people that will buy it because they also want whatever features the Pro one gets yeah. of it. And with, I don't know. We're going to assume uh-huh. that there are people smarter than us at Apple who are making those decisions. And it's their whole job. There are do. literally people. It's their entire yeah. job to make that calculation. Teams. There are teams of people, right? Yeah, teams you're right. upon yep. teams of people mm-hmm. whose entire jobs are to work this out. So if they do it, you've got to assume. And I know, I know, I know. Like I, I can already hear the sound of emails being opened. I know that every single person who has an iPhone mini is going to be really mad and upset about it. Hello, Jason's one of those people opening an email to me. But the thing is, Apple's a business. They do not do these things for your pleasure, personally. dare you? No one's buying them, (laughs) relatively, right? Um, If if they were selling, like hundreds of millions of iPhone minis, they wouldn't get rid of them, right? Like, it's it's a product, I think, that is underwhelmed in expectation. Yeah. And they are, like, going back and thinking, hey, we used to do this non-a-billion-dollars big phone and sold so many of those, so why don't we right. bring that back into well, the line? I th- suspect that the sales performance of the mini opened up the conversation of, like, could we try something else in that fourth slot? Especially yep. if you think about it this way. And when I talk about a quiet year for the iPhone, one of the reasons I talk about that is iPhone design is on like a three-year cycle at this point. Mm-hmm. So, and you see it in the in the sales charts. We talked about it in terms of when you look at their um, sales over time, there is actually a, an iPhone cycle and it's the design cycle where the iPhone 12 comes out and there's a huge sales spike yep. because it's a brand new look for a phone. And then 13 and 14 will be less. And that's why it's a quiet year in a sense is that it's not going to look any different. And so you're you're not going to have that huge pent-up demand because I think a lot of people are just on the it's a new iPhone look buying cycle every three years or so. So um, that leaving that behind for a second, you're Apple and you look at the mini for the iPhone 12 and you look at the sales and you're like, eh, it's not great. And you and you say, well, it's too late for 13. We're already locked in because Apple is working way ahead. We're already locked in for 13. Um, let's do an experiment for 14. Let's see this if this other approach would work, and we'll get some data on it. And then, you know, they're still going to have to be working on whatever the 15 design is before they get that data, probably. But um, I, I think they looked at this as an opportunity to do something different. I wonder if in the long run what they're going to decide to do instead is make the iPhone whatever a little smaller than today's iPhone whatever. Oh, the re- the regular? Yeah, and make the iPhone Maybe. Max, if they decide to keep it, bigger, but more like 10R size, so that you have two sizes, but they're not exactly matched to the Pro sizes. Or if they're they're going to just say, like, let's just keep this easy. They're literally the two two phone sizes. What I would say is I could imagine maybe, like, the 14-year is a test for the 15-year 
as to whether they adjust it again because right. that's a redesign you know like and that's yeah. like of what you're saying like they they maybe try and keep it a few years so they can get the most out of each design if they if they start changing the physical sizes again well you oh, may yeah. as well just go back to the drawing board because you've made it way harder for yourself but we'll find yeah. out but here's yeah. something interesting Mark Gurman says hole punch display in the probably the yeah. pro models. Now that's going to be a big deal. That's no notch anymore. Yeah, I mean, I don't think it's. I don't think the notch is a big deal. So I don't think it's a big deal. I mean, but just from a visual perspective, right? Like, yes. you know, like when the from from it's they're going to make a big deal out of that, right? Like, look how incredible, our gorgeous display. You know, like it's going to be they they make a big deal out of everything. But that's going to be cool, yeah. I think. In, and so the the face ID sensors will be going under the display. Um, is the expectation there? Mm. And Ming Chi Kuo says that that there will be a forty eight megapixel camera on probably the Pro. Now, this is interesting because Apple has been using a 24-megapixel camera for a really long time. Like, years and years and years, they've kind yeah. of been pretty stuck on 24 megapixels. And I'm happy that they will go up because I sometimes want a bit more sharpness or a bit more detail out of sure. my uh, out of my iPhone photos. And so I would welcome this change. So that's going to be pretty cool, I think. Yeah. Okay, so again, we, if this is all predicated on me saying it's a quiet year for the iPhone, um, which I think is a simple way of doing it, it's not going to be. Depends on who you're talking to, right? Yeah. There's not going to be a, a a revolutionary new iPhone. Mm-mm. Everybody who follows the iPhone closely knows how this goes, right? They change the outside. Everybody freaks out. They're like, "Oh my god, it's a new iPhone. I'm going to buy it." Mm-hmm. And then the next year they iterate, and it's a little bit better. And the next year they iterate, and it's better. And somewhere in those two other iterations, you know what happens is there are huge internal upgrades. Can I just, because I've already got a bunch of people say it, and I, I just want to try and stop before, again, more tweets. 12 megapixels, not 24, okay. that they've had for years, and now we've got 48. So that'd be a big that'd be a big difference. Big, big difference. Big difference. Mm-hmm. And this is what they do, right? This is what they do, is it doesn't change on the outside, and then they're, all the reviews come out, and they're like, I know it doesn't look any different, but this is a huge change to the camera. And that's that's what they do. They don't mm-hmm. tend to put all of their massive changes in one revision, including the exterior, and then let it not change at all for two years, right? Instead, it's all kind of coming in sequence. And so a much better camera in the third year of the phone body, not surprising. And actually, I mean, and it's great. Like, that's great because in some ways, uh, the camera is the biggest motivator for some people. Some people, it's the outside shape, and some people, it's the camera, and and I like that that uh, that forty eight megapixel rumor because the other thing that's happening, if we want to talk about twenty twenty three for a moment, <laughs> is um, the iPhone fifteen seems to be where they're finally going to do the periscope thing. Yeah, and that's going to require a huge redesign of the phone, right? entire yeah. rethink. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I can hear them talking about it now, even though it's going to be fall of 23, but it, it's an entire rethink of the interior of the iPhone because they want to increase the focal length, which means they have to bounce the light off of a mirror and then run it down to the camera in the body of the of the phone. And that's going to be really good, I think, in terms of really changing what Apple can do with photography on the iPhone. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's, you know, that's a 23 thing. In the meantime, what can you do? And the answer is, well, presumably that phone is going to have an amazing sensor on it. Uh, the sensor is going to happen maybe this year, right? Mm-hmm. We'll get the sensor, that awesome sensor this year. And then next year they will upgrade the optics. And it's just more Apple iteration going on. But even in the existing phone design, having that uh, that 
new sensor will be. And I'm sure they're going to, if it's a 48 megapixel camera, like they're going to do all sorts of very clever software stuff to it where they can say, well, you know, it's not just about the megapixels. It's really about how we use those pixels to process the image, et cetera, et cetera. Deep focus, sweaters, et cetera. Yeah, this is going to give me the opportunity to just say something that's been annoying me. I I think deep fusion, whatever it's called. Sorry, deep fusion. I mean, it could be called deep focus. I don't remember because they also have fusion drives. Uh, That processing where they increase the sharpness is ruining some photos of mine, like hmm. just ruining them. It adds like a darkness to images or over, it's like over sharp, it's like over sharpening them. Hmm. And it's, this has been going on for a while and I'm just really unhappy with some images. Like I, I take a photo, I look at it and I'm happy with it. And then a split second later, it does the processing and, oh. it, and it is just really ruining some photos of mine and I can't do anything about it. Right. And right. so I, I, I would really love the 48 megapixel camera because I think they will then have to rely on this less because that's all about adding detail and sharpness yeah. to images. Exactly. And I think sometimes it's doing that at the um, expense of color and, and clarity. So uh, um, I will be excited for an improvement there. Anyway. Quiet year. That's the iPhone. Uh, iPad. Uh, mini LED for the 11-inch iPad Pro would be the expectation, so. right? And yeah. that might be the only real big thing for iPad hardware this year. You know, Mark Gurman talks about updates to the iPads, and he seems to say it in a way that that he's more enthusiastic about it than I am. I I, I think they're going to not change what they look like at all. Um, they'll probably get the M2 processor that's also in the in the MacBook Air, mm-hmm. and that may enable some stuff that is not currently enabled. I do think the standout thing, and there'll probably be an iPad Air update at some point this year because yeah. it's time. It's it's a little long in the tooth, but I think the really big development on the hardware side for the iPad is going to be that that 11 inch model gets uh, Mini LED. Uh, iPad OS to get a windowed mode is a thing that you seem uh, pretty pretty in on. I keep saying it, and it mm-hmm. also still hasn't happened. This is a little less certain than the display one and a little more like wish casting is involved, but I feel like the evidence is there. And I know you talked to Federico about this a lot too. Like uh, the evidence is there. The um, the multitasking and windowing and pointer support and keyboard support and uh, keyboard shortcut support. And like Apple keeps heaping stuff onto iPad OS that is required if you're going to do a multi-windowing external display kind of feature. Mm-hmm. And that feature doesn't exist yet. And they got Thunderbolt, you know, like it's right at the precipice. So the question is, are they going to actually do it? I feel like the release of the display external display would be a great time for them to announce this. I don't know if this is an iPad OS next gen feature or whether it's more like the pointer and it comes in the spring or something as a, as a update to the existing iPad OS. I don't know that part, but I feel like they've been pushing this all this time to get to this point. And I do think iPad OS needs to be unchained in this way. I do think that we need to reach the point where if you if you you can attach an iPad to an external display, look, we've already got a pointing device. We've already got a keyboard. We've already got a multi-window support. And 
like we've already got floating windows in some apps like all the pieces are there so they just need to take that last step which is i plug this into a big screen and i can drag around a bunch of ipad windows and run it from my ipad like i i do think they like all the evidence is there that they're going there but they have to take that final step so i'm going to say this year is the year just because they've gotten everything aligned and they're going to do an external display. And I feel like that's the perfect time to talk about it is here's your iPad Pro and here's your new Apple Pro display. And boom. One of the things I just read to put this as a quote, because you seem to say this as if you were very confident of it. One of the major features of iOS 16 will be a new version of Notes that allows cross-linking. Yeah, I think it's going to happen. I, I just, I think the Notes team, which is pretty active and paying attention, um, has seen all the excitement about Notion and Rome and uh, and Obsidian and all the rest, all of these fancy note-taking apps that let you interlink your notes. And I think that Apple is going to do their take on a knowledge base like that. Mm-hmm. And I think it will be something that will frustrate all the fans of those apps because it will not be as complex as that for lots of reasons. But that's Apple's... Uh, stock and trade really with this stuff is how do we bring the desire to do that to the masses in a sort of a simplified form but i i think it's going to happen because it's just laying right out there if you're if you're on the notes team and you're looking at the trend in your world which is notes apps how could you miss this one so i think they're going to do it It, and it makes sense like i should be able to link from one note to another note like uh, even if you don't know anything about those other apps it totally makes sense to say this is in that other note and be able to create a little link to it so i think that's going to happen I totally agree with your thinking that it's like this is the thing now that you know you do if you're one of these kinds of applications and then VCs pour money all over you so it's become like a thing that a lot of these applications are doing but that means it's becoming a standard of the space so probably it makes sense for Apple to do it too right like, but as you say, in a less powerful way they will do it in the most basic way yes. possible yeah. it will it will be it, it's not going to be Sherlocking right it's going to mm-hmm. be once again what Apple really does, which is they make a kind of popularization of a feature that is never going to bring the power that the other apps have. But it will give the masses who don't use those apps, but just use the Apple Notes app, a little taste of that goodness. Well, people like Mike who find that feature interesting, but really complicated in every app that he's tried in. Yeah, and I I do so much in notes already, mm-hmm. and I would love that feature there. And yet, that's not enough for me to go to a different notes app. So I stay in notes. But if notes added it, I'd be like, oh yeah, I'll probably use that for to interlink some notes. Like that that'll be great. So I think they'll do it. And you also refuse to give up on in your Macworld column of predicting a new pro app for the iPad from Apple. Gonna keep on doing it. This is the year. <laughs> so it's gonna year. find its way into three drafts this year. Uh. It is. It is. I, I. It's. I just. I think it's gotta. It's gotta happen eventually, right? I really do believe that there is probably, at the very least, Final Cut Pro for the iPad happening. I, I just have to believe. I have to believe it. So I'm gonna. I'm gonna choose it. Do you think this year we are going to see anything new for the home from Apple? I think there was a prediction in that episode of Connected that we're not really talking about mm-hmm. about this and i like the idea of predicting 
a new home product from Apple because you keep it, and, and we're not competing here on this, but but th- that idea, I think Apple does have a home strategy. I think they have found a home strategy. And I think we saw the beginning of it with the HomePod Mini. I do think they are going in a new direction with this, uh, between this and being part of the Matter Alliance. And I know that's been slow to come to fruition, but like I do think they are getting their ducks in a row regarding the home. Um, there have been reports, including from friend of the show, Mark Gurman, about this. I think the most likely home product from them is a HomePod with a screen and a camera that lives, you know, I guess lives in your kitchen, but really can live wherever you want. And the reason I say that is, look, they've got tvOS, they've got iPadOS, and they've got iOS. They've got center stage. They've got the HomePod. They got photos, like, memories. They they got photos, memories. They got widgets. They got FaceTime. They have every single. It's a little bit like my comment about the iPad uh, external display thing. Yeah. They have FaceTime. They have and they have app developers, right? So they, which is something as somebody who has an Amazon Echo, like oh boy, like they're so the Amazon App Store on on their Fire uh, devices, their Fire TV devices has everything. And it's Fire OS that runs the Amazon Echo, and uh, they have nothing, almost nothing. They de- I saw they added like Zoom the other day, but it's like all curated. And I think Apple has every opportunity to get in here uh, and make a product that using a lot of the building blocks of what they've already got, probably mostly TV OS, and build a HomePod with a screen that will let you do FaceTime, that will let you set up widgets, that will all sync via iCloud with your other devices, that will be controllable via the lady, but also by, via the touchscreen, and it'll have a center stage camera on it so that you can, wherever you are, you just place it there and it's your FaceTime appliance. I, I really think that product is going to happen because, again, all the pieces are there and it's a natural new uh, direction for Apple to go in the home that uh, I think could actually be a good successful product plus i think apple's whole privacy promise and all the people who are in apple's ecosystem saying well you know you're not going to have to give your data to google amazon or facebook but instead we will protect your privacy when you have this microphone and camera in your home and it works with all your other stuff and it lets you call your friends who have you know your family members who have an ipad or an iphone they don't have to get set up with amazon's thing or google's thing so i think that that i you know, I, I want to hold out hope that they're going to do the soundbar product that I've been complaining about for a long time. That's basically an Apple TV with a speaker and a center stage camera that you put by your TV. And now, boom, you've got this same thing, but you've got it on your TV. Um, I think that's less likely. It is much more likely that they make a HomePod screen because yeah. that has so much in their wheelhouse. And it stands, yeah, it stands alone in a way that a an Apple TV speaker thing is a new thing and they have to check what they want it to be. Um, right. Like, is this a category we want to be in? But like a HomePod with a screen, like it's, it's just sitting right there. And they've got, I, I personally think center stage was built for this product. <laughs> I think center stage is going to be everywhere. It's going to be on Macs. I think it's going to be, it's just on iPads right now, but I think it was built for this product. Like it feels like it was built for a product like this. Cause you need, you, iPad, you can pick up and move around, right? <laughs> but one of these things is going to be sitting somewhere. And, and what you really need with, a, with uh, a, a device that is static like that is a dynamic widescreen camera that can pan around 
And and so I think that center stage we saw it first on the iPad, but I think it's built for this product. I really I really believe that. So maybe I'm wrong, but that's I'm outside the black box. I don't get to look inside and see what's going on at Apple. I just have to guess. But it feels very strong to me that that's the product. And finally, is 2022 the year of the headset? I say yes. I think Apple will release something that you put on your face mm-hmm. <laughs> in 2022. I do. I am really skeptical. So our friend James Thompson uh, went all in on that episode of Connected with AR stuff. Mm-hmm. I'm a little, like, I'm a believer in this product. I think it's going to happen. I, 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 whether I'm a believer in its success, I don't know. But I believe it you will believe happen in 2022. that Apple's going to make it. I think yeah. I think the the goggles or whatever it is I think it'll be 22. I think it's going to I think it's going to ship. I I don't think it's going to be pitched as a product for everyone. Uh-huh. I I feel like it's going to be so expensive and so early days that they're going to pitch it for developers that they'll announce it at WWDC and they'll say this is coming. It's a developer kit. Uh, we want you all to write apps for it, and then next year there'll be one for the masses, and that next year it won't be that one. It'll be another model that's for the masses. Uh, it's certainly possible that Apple will do that and say it is for the masses, and developers can get their hands on a developer kit. Maybe the developer kit is just a, a thing that you have to plug into a Mac that is a, you know, it's like part of it, but not the whole story, and then they'll ship the real one in the fall. Um, but if I had to, if I had to lay down money, I would lay down money that that first one is not going to be like, people will be able to buy it, but that it's not going to be pitched for regular people because I think it's going to be too early days. And I think Apple's not going to want to try and say, put this under the Christmas tree. Right. I I think it's maybe going to be a little too early for that. Could be wrong about that. Um, but I, I, so I'm going to try to stake out this middle ground where I think it is going to happen, but I think it's going to be not quite ready for, for the masses until 23. Yeah. I can't decide on this. Like just hearing you talk about it, like I can't yet put my finger on what I think they'll do because anything they announce, it will be the thing that people think is for everyone. doesn't matter what they do or how they say it. Right. It just does not matter. Right. If they release a thing and they're like, this is an early days product for us. It's cost three thousand dollars. They will just yeah. be like, Apple's headset, Oculus competitor, cost three thousand dollars. You know, like there's no way around no, it. That's that's not entirely true though, because if they announce it and say we're announcing this, there's a developer kit hardware that's going to be available this summer. We love our developers, and next year we will we will be shipping a product to consumers. And they completely mm. just say this is a developer kit. We're oh, well, not yeah. selling this to the general yeah, yeah, yeah. public. They could get away with it, but yeah, I agree. The temptation is going to be strong. The other part of what I didn't mention is I just I also struggle to like because again I just can't decide. Can I imagine that they would announce it that way, or would I imagine that they would only be able to announce something like this, or they only would announce something like this? They also showed off what the consumer product will be. Right. Well, this like, is I this can't would decide. Be... Their classic way of doing it would be that, right? Which is the challenge is how do you get your developers to write really what need to be new apps or at least dramatically changed apps to support AR? And I know they've been doing it on the iPhone for a long time. And so those things will be able to be picked up. But the question is really how much do the developers think 
uh, they can get something done without really having access to this until it's essentially on on shelves for the general public. And that's a tough one, but it's poss- It's certainly possible. And the way you do it, if you're Apple, honestly, is you pitch it as an Oculus Quest, right? You pitch it as a as a as a VR gaming thing, mm-hmm. and uh, and say it's the start. And this is going to be great for games. And we've got all these developers who are working on games and they'll more game demos for Apple events. Woo-hoo. Games and experiences, right? Like that's going to be V1. Yeah, but it'll be expensive. And what they're really kind of doing is they're they're hedging and they're saying it's, you know, it is out now, but, you know, but but then they'll iterate and iterate and iterate. And that's very Apple. I think that that's the most like what they've done in the past. I just I do wonder if they will get to the point where they're like, we cannot ship this to the general public. We, they will kill us. Let's call this the developer kit. Because we know that they're already developing the next one, right? Mark, Mark Gurman has that report, that the that he's reporting on specs for, for the 23 version of the AR headset, right? So the question is, is the 22 version a developer kit or is it a product for consumers? And I don't know. I, I If I had to pick, I'd, I, I want to be a little conservative here and say, developer kit because i'm not entirely convinced that apple is going to have a product this year um but they might they they you know they could do it uh, it would be very apple to put the burden on all developers to just figure it out <laughs> and i still wonder like again i go back and forth on this if they'll even show this off at wwdc like i kind of feel like they might take the apple watch apple watch approach yeah. of two events so like that are here- absolutely focused on the so that you know they did the here's the thing event and right. then like six months later here is the we're going to remind you and actually launch the product and show you what it is now event so let me give you a scenario uh-huh. that might this might be this might be the actual scenario which is what if at WWDC they announce that they're going to do an AR product and they show off the AR product and they say the AR product is shipping this fall and they announce it at WWDC, or or maybe before then, or maybe after then, but they announce it at an event, let's just say. Yep. They announce it at an event. And as part of that event, what they announce is developers can get something. Um, and maybe that something is the hardware in advance, or maybe that something is, like I said earlier in this conversation, a... Not quite the hardware, but something it's you can like attach. A HTC Vive that you can plug in. I mean, it could be something like that, right? Uh, yeah, right. Something where you're basically like, we're, we're going to give developers something that they can plug into a Mac mm-hmm. and develop their apps with. Uh, because that's the part that keeps coming back to me is how do you launch this product without having developers actually be able to use this yeah. product yeah. or or a thing that is meant to emulate this product so that's that's my question is um you know and maybe maybe it's as simple as they're going to ship products to developers and there's going to be like a three thousand dollar deposit and that gets refunded or they get store credit or whatever at the end of the process and it's locked to their id and you know they could do it that way um, and it's not quite the final, but it's something for developers. I, I don't know. Like, it's a good, it's a good question. Like, we'll have a limited number, and you'll have to qualify, and they could do it that way too. But I get hung up on the developer part of this because I don't think they can just dump this on the world and say, "Hey, developers, make great AR apps on the iPhone, and they'll just work." Like, I don't think that's gonna do it. So I need the rest of that story because they want to launch this platform with good apps on it, 
and they can't surprise the developers and do that. So that's that's the thing to watch, honestly, in in yeah. all of this is what if they're launching a brand new platform, what is the developer story going to be, and how do they prime the pump with developers, uh, assuming that their AR kit demos the last five years are not seen as priming the pump. Well, the the only thing we have to compare this to is the Apple Watch, right? Like in recent times. Like the the only product, like brand new product needs development, new operating system, the whole nine yards. And with the Apple Watch, they said they did those two separate events. And they also did the thing where they brought developers in for a few days. You remember that? Right. Oh, sure. Sure. And that was how people got to try out their software on Apple hardware. Right. Because the reason I'm saying is because like James is saying in the chat, you know, it'd be kind of like how they did the DTK, not the fastest chip, but functional. But there isn't like the DTK was a Mac mini where they put a different lot that Apple do not have. So so here's here's the one thing that and and uh, and David pointed this out in the in the chat. And I think he's right, which is the other way they could go is they could say, we're going to do a little iPhone holder that you put on your face like the Google Daydream. And you can t- you can build your apps on that, <laughs> and then they'll Maybe. be great on the new hardware because it'll be more powerful than your they iPhone. They may also do a thing where they say, and some of you can apply to come to a kitchen, and we will right. let you load it onto pre-release hardware, provided you signed a twenty-five thousand page embargo and like NDA. Because like uh, this is my my issue with the the it's what they're announcing, right? Like, yeah. are they actually going to be announcing something that will be available for anyone to buy at the end of the year? If that's right. the case, they're not sending those to developers six months in advance because it's not done. Yeah. So I, I don't know how... You see, like, I'm struggling well, that's, with this, this that's, balance. Yeah. That's why, I mean, it, but it could be done. The hardware could be done and the software could be broken and it could be very much a DTK kind of situation where it's just for, it's it's non-final hardware, but they're building uh, 2,000 of them right, to but send out. All the DTKs were like, they were, they were existing hardware that they put new guts inside. And right. Apple doesn't have existing AR headset hardware. Yeah, well, this is so. This is the thing. Hey, this we're going to argue this like for the next six months, right? Like, this is the conversation yeah, I, of the year, Because I, right? I, I do it. think that I do think there will be something you put on your face this year. The question is, what well, form it does be? it take, mm-hmm. and what the developer uh, story is about it? That's the that's the great. And Apple has options here. I think it, in the end, it comes down to Apple's confidence level in two things: confidence level in the quality of the product, and confidence level in the developer story. And, you know, they could be misguided about those things. But I do think in the end, those are the two things that will decide this is do they really think this product is enough of a product to sell it to consumers, you know, and and to take the hits of it being judged as a regular old consumer product, Uh, which they might. They might be like, you know, we always iterate. This first one is going to be great, but uh, the next one's going to be vastly better, just like the Apple Watch. You you iterate for a few years and it gets way better. Uh, But the question is, is it? enough yet and i think you know the truth is that apple cares more about being seen in public than it cares about developers sorry developers you know it's true and so it's a hard i have a hard time imagining that apple wouldn't announce something and ship something the same year because everybody would be talking about it and they wouldn't have a product so so yeah i think the truth is the biggest the best scenario is they'll have some story to tell developers but they're still going to ship it by the end of the year yeah i think it's true This episode is brought to you by Fitbod. 
It's really normal for people to start considering their health and fitness around this time of the year. But between balancing work, family, and everything else that you have going on, it can be hard to make fitness a priority. What you need is a program that works with you, not against you. That's why you need FitBod. FitBod's algorithm learns about you, your goals, and your training ability, and will craft a personalized exercise plan that's unique to you. And their app makes it incredibly easy to learn exactly how to perform every single exercise. Personal fitness isn't about competing with other people. You don't want to look to others and try to stack up against them and do exactly what they're doing. What you need is something that works for you. That's when it really sticks and when you'll see the results you're looking for. And FitBod uses data to create and adjust your dynamic fitness plan and you have instant access to your own personalized routine in a fantastic app so you can make progress on your goals from anywhere. Something I really love about FitBod is you can have the these reminder notifications like, hey, it's your time to work out. And in the notification, it gives you a breakdown of all of the things you're going to be doing. I just like that. I just like that I get it there. If I can't do it right now, I could do it later on and I have an idea of what's going to be available to me uh, for my exercise for that day. Everyone's fitness path is different, which is why FitBod does so much work to make sure they customize things exactly to suit you. They make sure to learn from your last workout so your next workout will be even better whether you work out twice a day or twice a week. FitBod even tracks your muscle recovery to make sure that your plan is balanced with a variety of exercises to make sure that you're not overworking anything. This is super important. The FitBod app is so simple to use and recently got updated with a fantastic new design with brand new HD video tutorials shot from multiple angles to make sure that learning every exercise is a breeze. And it also integrates with your Apple Watch, Wear OS smartwatch and apps like Strava, Fitbit and Apple Health. Personalized training of this quality is usually really expensive, but FitBod is just $12.99 a month or $79.99 a year. But you can get 25% off your membership by signing up at fitbod.me slash upgrade. So kick off the new year right and get your customized fitness plan at fitbod.me slash upgrade and you'll get that 25% off your membership. That's fitbod.me slash upgrade for 25% off. A thanks to FitBod for their support of this show and Relay FM. So we spoke about Apple in 2022. Let's speak about what we are doing in 2022. Yeah, let's um, do it. People might be familiar, you know, like if if you listen to one of my other shows, Cortex, like New Year planning and New Year thinking is a pretty important part of my life now, like for many reasons. Um, and so we, me and Gray do a thing called Yearly Themes. We've been doing it for many, many years now where we come up with kind of like a word or a phrase that acts as a guide for us throughout the year. It's like something that we can look towards and be like, this is something that I want. If I focus towards this thing, it will improve something in my life in some way. And then I work out for me, like I work out a bunch of things that I can do that can ladder up to this idea. So for me, my theme of 2022 is called the Year of Structure. I really recommend episode Cortex 123. We spoke, speak about all this in more detail. Yes, highly. I, um, I found it incredibly inspirational. I, it's oh. a really good, even if you don't normally listen to Cortex, I would say listen to this episode. It's Thank very you. good. Oh, I appreciate that. Thank you so much. Uh, like Basically, for me in 2022, um, I want to have a better structure in place to handle the various responsibilities that I have across my businesses and in my personal life but also allow for unstructured time because I want to have more time in my work week where I have big chunks of time where I can work on whatever thing is pulling me at that moment and really have like clear runway for things. Um, but this is also at the same time or balancing the things that I want to need to be worked on. Usually for me with a yearly theme, I start the year and 
I just do all of what I want to do. So like, you know, like <laughs> I'll be like, oh, okay, I've my theme is X and that means all what I need to do is this, 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 and this, and I'll get what I want. But the difference for me this time is I'm starting this year. I know what I want to achieve out of this, but I don't know exactly how to get there. And so I'm going to be spending a big chunk of the year working out, all right, some stuff's going to get cut down or reorganized or moved around. How am I going to do that? I actually don't know. And also, I've said this to to some close friends recently, the end of the year is a terrible time to do this because you've already started on next year's planning. So I have too many times made wrong decisions or quick decisions or pulled back on decisions for things that I want to cut down because I'm making these decisions on like December 15th. So I'm going to be spending at least the first half of this year working out what stays, what goes in 2023 for all of the various things that I do, and then spending the time actually putting those plans in place to make sure that it's good for next year. So there's gonna there's like a bunch of little things that I'm going to do to help with the immediate, but then it's also about the future. I would argue that this is actually in keeping with the whole concept of themes, mm-hmm. in that I what I like about themes and i had to explain themes to lauren because we had uh brunch with you and adina and uh, you talked about your themes and then we got in the car and we were in the car for a very very long time driving back home and she was like what what is this themes business Mm -hmm. and the way i like to think of the themes is it's a framework rather than being like new year's resolutions it's a framework that you commit to to analyze everything you do it's a it's a a rubric to use to grade every move you're thinking of making in a year it's like remember structure yep and the beauty of that is that instead of it being you in you know sort of saying here are some goals for the year in january and seeing if you live up to them instead you say this year really think about how you want to structure it or whatever your theme is. And then everything that comes up during the year, you begin applying that. And I think it's, first off, I think it's easier to internalize that, although it does take a little time. And that it also means it it, it is living with you because instead of having a thing that you said you would do and you failed at it, instead you have this thing on your shoulder that is sort of evaluating everything you do for the year through the lens of the theme that you chose. Yep. And, and so what you did... I think actually is it perfectly in fit in keeping with this concept, which is you've got this theme now and you don't have your whole plan worked out, but you're going to spend the year analyzing everything you do yeah, using the theme it. of structure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, it's just, it's for me, the ways that I've been doing in recent years, it's kind of coming from the opposite side, but right, it is, sure. it is still, as you, as you very rightly point out in, in keeping with the idea of like, I've referred to it as like a North Star for a while. It's yes. like it's it's something that just guides you. So yeah, this kind of where I am, where I'm like, I basically I just noticed in 2021 that I just felt like I was just, I had way too much stuff going on and I don't want to have as much stuff going on. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I was talking to Stephen about this recently. I'm sure he won't mind me saying, because he's cut down on some stuff too going into the year. And one of the things that we were talking about, and we, I think, like I, I was kind of coming to the realization as we was talking about it, and it was something that his wife had said to him of like, the two of us, we're kind of working still, like we're trying to get our business off the ground, right? 
like we're very much still like like we're trying to be like we're we're scrappy and it's like but we're not like we have a very established well running business at this point and maybe that the two of us do not need to be running ourselves into the ground as much as we do um when we have a pretty well oiled machine and it was just like a really interesting thing that i've been thinking about a lot so all of us you know you you and me and steven and some other people we know it's been seven or eight ish years Mm -hmm. that we've been out on our own yep and that initial phase is very much how do i establish myself how do i build things that i can do to have it be my career how do i how do i make it happen it's this building phase and it's also a scrambling phase right because it's like i got to put food on the table i got to you know this it, it, i'm going to have to not go out on my own anymore i'm going to have to leave and go back to what i was doing before if i can't make this work so you end up in that phase and then you know but the thing is you leave that phase at some point you need to leave that phase i should say and stop thinking about it in those terms and evaluate it in a different way because the danger is that you build yourself a new prison right <laughs> Mm-hmm. The danger is you escape the old prison. There's a cartoon I have um, from webcomic name, uh, Alex Norris, and it's about a freelancer. And it's like, uh, I am free. And then they build a new prison for themselves. Oh, no. Right. Mm-hmm. But there's so much truth in that. Like, you need to not build your own prison. Uh, the goal is to be able to continue to adjust and adapt. And the last thing you want to do is be free and build your own business and then burn out on the business you built. The last thing you want to do. And I've obviously been thinking about this too. I have tried, and I talked about this back when I was doing free agents with David Sparks about the importance of saying no. Um, Cause I also dropped a bunch of stuff um, for the new year. Uh, and it's, it's very much that sort of, I don't have a theme, but that's sort of what I've been trying to do. Mm-hmm. And it's very much like you can't do anything new if you're always continuing to do everything you've been doing up to this point. You have to say no and close some stuff down. Otherwise, you will never be open to new possibilities. Your, your theme is called the year of opportunity, Jason. I just, I, just okay. branded it for you. Thanks. Great. No worries. The, the idea, I don't I don't think that's how I would brand it, but I, I, I'm, I, maybe, maybe. We'll, we'll, we'll workshop it. Mm-hmm. The, uh, but the idea there is you need to be, it's, it's, it's opportunity cost, right? Like, you're not it's not just the work you put in on x it's also that if you're doing x you can't do whatever might come along and be a new thing yeah and and uh i think we also tend all of us to do to overwork ourselves because Mm -hmm. there's it's hard to keep a balance when you're you're first off you're doing something that you like which is great but you're also you know you are working all the time and especially if you're working at least you have an office to go to but like steven and i are working on the premises and it's a challenge so reevaluating taking uh, taking a moment to reevaluate what you're doing i you know new year is totally arbitrary it is just the earth passing through a particular part of its orbit around the sun it could be any time but I think it has some uh, it has some advantages, not only just it is a reset time, but also for us, it comes not only after the holidays like it does for everybody, but it comes after that kind of the the peak of the apple year in the fall. It's not a bad time. This is the this is when we've got some runway to do stuff before the 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 kind of wild apple stuff that starts in June and really goes through November. Mm-hmm. So now is a good time to do it. And so 
you know, I actually in December had uh, a similar thing where I, I realized I needed to do, I used to, when I worked at IDG, I used to do these things. I'd go over to somebody's house. Uh, one of my editors, uh, one of my managers lived in, uh, still does in Berkeley. And uh, I would take a couple senior managers and we'd go to his house and like sit at his dining room table for the day and get, you know, and talk about like, it's just good to get out of your headspace and go somewhere and sort of think about what you're want wanting to do. And I realized in, in December that I hadn't done that. And then I actually, I wanted to do that. And in my house is where I work. So I can't get out of my own headspace in my house. Um, so I had that moment where I'm actually going to go away. Uh, it's not quite a greatcation, which is what CGP, well, it is kind of a greatcation, but we're just mm -hmm. driving uh, like an hour away where our friends uh, have a rental house and there's it nobody. It doesn't matter it. where it is. Yeah. The idea, the, the greatcation being. It's, you go it's somewhere, somewhere else. else. And since our friends have a rental work. house and, and nobody is using their rental house in, in uh, the week after New Year's, right? Like nobody is. So they're like, oh yeah, yeah, you can go there. So um, I'm going to go there for like three days, uh, starting, to, starting this evening actually. And I'm going to have a couple of days where I am just focused on that, that sort of thinking big picture stuff. Because I do think that's important. And I think one of the challenges of working for yourself and working from home is that you're in your own head. You're no longer... It, it's harder. You have to work at it more to kind of step out of the day to day and think about what you're doing. And it's so important to be able to step out of it if you if you can manage it to step out of that context and not have the day to day going on and try to think bigger picture thoughts uh, and and focus on you know on stuff that you don't give yourself permission to focus on most of the time. Um, this is like something, as you say, like I'm trying to build some of this in more generally into my life, right? Like to, to have that unstructured time because it's very mm -hmm. valuable. And it's like to go back to something I was saying a minute ago, I think one of the reasons that I've really noticed and been feeling this feeling of like um, the, the, the kind of like starting out mentality is that me and Grace started a business together. And right, you know, we're working on various products currently. The for the theme stuff, we have a thing called the Theme System Journal. It's a journal that's built around this idea, and you know, that's the thing. And we're working on multiple various product things, and that's like very much in that. I can't think of a different word, so I'm just going to say it. That hustling phase of like we're trying sure. to make it happen, right. and that takes a lot of energy and effort, and so it's. Have, now, having brought a new one of those in, I'm starting to realize how much I'm still doing that in my very established business. Yeah. Uh, and so, you know, balancing those two things together over the last year or so is really making me realize that to be most effective to both, I need better structure. One of those things is was like, one of the ways I tried to deal with this was, I'll take no time off. Terrible idea. And yeah. was was really really bad on me towards the end of the year, and I've remembered the value of it. Uh, kind of taking my really long vacation, and then like we take it a bit of time over the holidays, and I'm feeling way better now. Um, yeah, you know, that's another thing about the New Year's thing is it is a pretty good time. I always feel pretty refreshed at New Year's because I've come off of a few weeks that are um, low to no effort. And that means it's a vacation, essentially. Like, it, it wasn't a vacation per se. We didn't go anywhere. But 
you know, I, my mom came and visited. I cleared off my schedule so I could spend more time with her. I ended up, you know, we pre-recorded some stuff. So the amount of stuff I had to do was just so much less than it usually is. That's a really good opportunity because your, your batteries are a little more refreshed. And then you, you had your, your vacation on top of that. And I, I think that's all, um, that, that primes this to be a pretty good time. It's not, it doesn't have to be, you know, it's not the best time for everybody, but you're looking for a proxy. You're lo- looking for some, uh, something to hang your hat on about this. And if, if I, you know, was in a different business with a different kind of calendar, I might look at it differently, but January is not a bad proxy because it really is. I, I feel like the, you know, the Apple year heats up in June and then, and then September and October and part of November are the peak of it. Um, and then December is sort of a cooling off period <laughs> of kind of uh, retreating and healing. And then January is like, okay, what are the new things? It's a perfect kind of fit. Um, I want to mention, uh, you mentioned Stephen doing fewer things. Uh, some of that impacts me, but I, I um, it, it's always a good time to reevaluate stuff. And so I'll, I'll just mention the things that I'm doing to try and take care of myself not only to open myself up to new things, but also things that I I felt like I needed to do that I've decided I don't need to do anymore because it's a, I, I don't need to do this and I can hand it to somebody else. And it gives me either one of two things, which is either more opportunities to do something different or more time to use in a way that is healthy for me instead of it being more work. So it's either taking work off the pile or it's opening a space on the pile for a different kind of work. Those are the sort of two things. So Stephen and I stopped doing liftoff regularly. That was a decision that we made in December. We're going to do, we're not killing it. We're going to do specials when we, um, when the mood strikes essentially, which for us is, you know, we love space stuff, but the fact is it's not our primary job. There are a whole other podcasts where people, uh, in fact, a podcast that's very nice. Um, just uh, Anthony Colangelo, who's the host of that podcast, uh, uh, Miko, um, he quit his job and he's going to do space stuff full time. And it's like, well, I, I, first off, that's great. But also like Stephen and I are not going to do space stuff full time. And it was a little podcast. It's not a big portion of what we do, but it was a grind of build doing space news uh, several hours every other week. And we just decided to stop and we're going to keep doing the part that is really fun, but we're going to stop doing the other part because one, I don't think that we are ever going to be the preeminent space podcast because we're not going to devote that much time to it. Like we can't, we can't justify devoting that much time to it. It's not our primary job. It's never really going to be, we don't really want it to be our primary job. So, mm-hmm. uh, it makes sense to have it be this thing that we maybe, maybe we can still do for fun, but like neither of us, both of us had a conversation where we were sort of like, you know, liftoff's kind of at the bottom of the list. And I said, I think I said to Stephen, Stephen, the real reason I do liftoff is that I like talking about space with you every other week. Yeah. And he said, same. And then two weeks later, he came back to me and he said, let's not do liftoff anymore. Mm-hmm. So, which I think is, I think is the right call. And it's sad because people liked it, but it doesn't really fit um, for so many reasons what we want to do. And I had that moment where you decide to do it. And I'm like, Oh my God, that burden has just lifted. <laughs> it's just it, because it was a grind and it was less fun because it was a grind. So I'm happy to be done with it. And then the other big one is the incomparable where I am um, two things there. 
I hired basically an editor to edit both the incomparable and downstream the new podcast that I started. Uh, Somebody else is going to edit those. I take so much pride in being a podcast editor, but um, I don't need to edit those. (laughs) Like, like I take pride in it. I take pride in having uh, editorial oversight and being like, I can fix this thing and I can fix this thing. I need to not, I need to not do that. I, I need to just hand that off. That's something other people can do just fine. And I don't need to be involved. And then um, in terms of hosting The Incomparable, I got to the point, and I talk about this in great detail on our year-end episode. Um, I have exhausted, because if you think about it, I've been doing that podcast for 11 years. It's weekly. Every episode has me on it, essentially. Almost 600 episodes. And... That means I have to come having read a book or books, seen a movie or movies, watched a whole season or seasons of a TV show, read a whole graphic novel, whatever it is. I have to have done the homework and nobody else has to do the homework every week because it's a rotating panel. And I cheated by using stuff that I'd like already read or already seen for a long time. But a few years ago, I ran out (laughs) of ways to cheat. Mm. So... Um, it was really a grind. The homework was a grind. Having to have a new thing that I had to watch or read or whatever every week. Uh, and then I would ho- have, to have to schedule a panel and host an episode and then edit the episode myself. And so I got an editor to edit it and I committed to only doing um, an episode every other week. So cutting the frequency back. It will be more than that because there are times of the year where, the, where, where my desire to consume media is um a match with the schedule and um uh, you know tv shows are finishing up and all of that and i want to talk about them but there are going to be other weeks where i just i'm not committing to releasing an episode on the off weeks um i'm hoping my panelists are going to step up and fill those weeks with stuff that they're interested in and it's like finally they'll be able to talk about video games that i'm never going to find the time to play but um, I had this realization that the the comment from listeners that made me the crankiest about the incomparable was people asking us to cover things. <laughs> and they made me angry. <laughs> and I thought, well, why am I so angry about this? And I was angry about it mostly because I think people don't understand how much work goes into homework. They'd be like, well, why don't you talk about this show? It's like, oh, it's 10 episodes so I need to watch, you're basically assigning me an, a whole TV show that I have not chosen to watch, but I'm going to have to watch it for, for homework. And I have to find other people who are also willing to do the homework so that we can have that conversation. And it's a lot, whatever it is, read this book, watch this movie. So um, I'm hoping that by not editing those episodes and only committing to doing about half, it'll be more than that, it'll probably be in the 30s, that it will be more... Um, reasonable workload for me uh, because what I don't want to have happen is have it be, uh, have it burn me out to the point where I don't want to do it anymore. That would be terrible and sad. Yeah. It's, uh, I, I want to keep it going. And I have, there are so many panelists now that I'm, I'm, I'm hopeful. This is, goes back to the thing um, that we were saying before the show. Uh, I'm hopeful that those other off week episodes will be filled I might need to tap somebody to be the scheduler of those to sort of prod everyone. Cause I don't want to do it, but somebody might, we may need somebody to like prod them so that there's that those off week episodes are filled are filled. If I really want to do that, 
Um, I'm still thinking about that one. I'm not quite sure how it's going to go. But I mean, last year I, I put in some skip weeks for the incomparable because I just couldn't take it. Mm-hmm. So there were there were like three or four that I was just like, we're not doing an episode. It wasn't even that many. It was like two. I was like, we're not doing an episode this week. <laughs> I'm going on vacation. I'm not doubling up in advance in order to cover when I'm on vacation. We're just going to skip an episode. And I had that moment where I thought, okay, I need to make this happen regularly. You could this skip needs way to be... more of them. Imagine that. <laughs> yeah, e- exactly right. And and the the fact is, I you know I I just went through this last two weeks. Um, where, because we'd recorded our clip show episode in advance and all of that, where I had two weeks where the weeks and the weekend had no incomparable work on it. And let me tell you, the incomparable comes from a time when I worked in a job Monday through Friday. And even though I don't do that anymore, and now I'm at home Monday through Friday, I still always edited the incomparable on Saturday. And uh, let's just say my wife was like, it's better that you don't have that thing hovering over us on the weekend. And it is. So, so that affects like it's already, everyone. already good. <laughs> it's not just affecting you, right? Yeah. It's affecting no, I, I mean, it was else. every Saturday we'd be like, what are we doing this weekend? And I'd say, well, I got to add it the incomparable. I was like, yeah. I, I can't do that anymore. It, it has had side, side effects. Like, and I know you and I have talked about this. There are side effects. So not editing your show mm. and having someone else do it, it does... If you if you're on the show, you can take notes about what needs to be fixed. If you're not on the show, you can't. If you're if you're handing it off to an editor, what you really want to do ideally is give them a heads up. Here are the issues. Here's what to look for. Here's what I want you to change, right? It's not just like good luck, whatever. I I want if I took pride in editing podcasts because I wanted to do what I wanted to do with them to make them sound exactly like I wanted. Okay. Maybe too perfectiony. I'm not going to get that from a, a different editor, but what I can do is commit to taking better notes and giving those notes to the editor. So I can say there's a problem here and I'd like you to do this. So that is a burden that I'm willing to take on. That's new for me after 10 years where I relied on my own brain to do this. I, actually spent a day last week because I sent you the link to it when I was done building a thing that makes it easier for me to take notes about my podcasts as I'm doing them. And that work I put in because I know that I'm right. It's like I'm letting go of this big job, but I am creating a new little job for myself that I need to do, but it, it, it unlocks all of this time. So it's worth making a change to my process up front so that I can get that time back on the backside. Or the other thing that you do with with an edit, which I do with, on a couple of my shows, is kind of just trust them to get oh, it yeah. right, you know? There's there's trust involved regardless. Yeah. But um, what I did, you know, is build this, you know, build this note, note-taking thing uh, that's like a note-taking script. Mm-hmm. That is me um, trying to find a way to kind of like make it easier on me to um, to hand it off, right? Because like, I don't want to hand it off with nothing. I know I, I know I need to say, 
there's a swear there. I, I thought about building a version of it. The, the version I've got, there's two buttons on my stream deck, and one of them just puts down a time code, and the other one puts down a time code with a note. It asks you to type in a note, and you hit return, and it gets added to the Very menu. Very nice. I thought, about, I thought about doing a version that's literally like a menu of, show me in which way the panelist hurt you. <laughs> and it's like they swore... <laughs> There was a bad sound in the background. <laughs> there was an interruption. Like I, I thought about doing that, and I may yet do that. Like just like the quick, quick like which which crime was committed here. Um, but that's that gives me a little bit more comfort in handing it off. Right, it's still mm. not the same, right, mm -hmm. as having complete control. But it is enough for me to feel like I can hand it off without. You know, it is, it's control freaks giving up control. Like it is totally that I, I have complete editorial control and it's, I take great pride in that and I can't do that anymore. So I'm trying to find a way to exert a little bit of editorial discretion without having the complete control over it. Cause I know I just can't do that anymore. What I'll say real quick, if people will permit me to, if you have enjoyed this conversation, this is very similar to the kinds of conversations we have on Upgrade Plus. I, th I feel like, like in its tone, throughout the, the types year. of things yeah, that we true. talk about, we we touch on these kinds of things quite a lot. We actually have a little bit more of this conversation in today's Upgrade Plus. If you haven't signed up, go to getupgradeplus.com, $5 a month or $50 a year. We'd really appreciate your support. You get a bunch of bonuses, which is also longer ad-free episodes of the show. Yeah, uh, that yeah, that's another thing that I'm doing on the incomparable is I'm taking the Upgrade Plus model and I'm building nice. and having my editor build a up special edition i'm calling it of incomparable with the extra stuff and no ads and all of that too so that's on my list of things for the for this year so overall i would say um my retrospective theme that is not a thing <laughs> for 2021 was um was learning some new stuff was trying to go outside my comfort zone and learning some new you stuff you did do a lot of that didn't you yeah, the the Python thing. So my son signed up for an advanced placement computer principles class that they had said he'll be, you know, writing in Python. And I thought, well, that's really exciting. Maybe I should learn Python. And uh, what he's, I don't know what he's learning in it. He's done a semester of it. And I mentioned about uh, string coercion. Uh, and he was like, I don't know what that is. I'm like, how have you not learned that yet? But I have opinions about Python now because I spent a lot of time using Python, um, uh, doing new Mac shortcuts as well. Um, I got a Stream Deck Mini in the spring, uh, six buttons, because I was very skeptical about the Stream Deck, but I thought I'll try this thing. And in a classic Snell fashion, where you buy the cheap, <laughs> you buy the cheap one because you think you're probably not going to want it, and then and then you go, oh, actually, I'm now convinced that this is good. Uh, I mm -hmm. we did the classic. Stephen Hackett bought a Stream Deck XL. I bought his Stream Deck, and I sold my Stream Deck Mini to a friend who is going to take it. It's the circle of life. And then that friend will realize that they want a regular size stream deck and buy that. Exactly. Then, yeah. It'll all just keep going like mm -hmm. that. It's like a, it's multi-level marketing is what it is. It is sort of shaped like a pyramid. Anyway, I embraced that too um, because it fits in with a lot of my automation stuff. The new stream deck, you know, fits kind of to the side of my keyboard. It's actually really nice to have those buttons um, that are icons. Um, it, it, my argument against the Stream Deck was always, why do I need um, any kind of macro pad if I can just do, you know, Command Shift Control 9 or whatever? And the answer is because you never remember those things. 
And then the one time you need it, that it's supposed to grease the skids and make your life easier to have a keyboard shortcut, it doesn't happen enough, often enough for it to be muscle memory. So you sit there going, is it command control one? Is it command shift and and it's like the moment passes and it's not you're not saving time doing automation and now it's a button <laughs> that is a an icon that you can put on it mm-hmm. um that does the thing like i the other day i realized i would use launch bar to open terminal and then ssh to my server and i thought or i could put the ssh command on a button so when i press the button terminal opens already ssh into my server it's like Oh, yeah. Okay. Like all of those things. So more automation, learning Python. I really kind of cracked open the data files on my on my uh, weather station, which has allowed me to upgrade my my weather station, which I which I love. It's fun. But also I like I like having the power over that. To, it's 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 giving me problems that I have to learn how to do solve in Python. That is fun. And also it's allowing me to improve a thing that I can't improve uh, like it, the app gives me what it gives me, but now I can I can break it apart even further than I used to be. I used to use PHP to break break apart some of the output of the the weather station and do some custom things, and now I have these Python scripts that I can run that do it. It's very fun for me to do that. Um, and the first Python project I did was actually automating the Six Colors newsletter, so it was an actual work thing that I applied it to. So I'm I'm um, that is in hindsight kind of the big thing for for 21 for me was um challenging my brain to do some new stuff and think in some new ways um which are you know kind of old ways it definitely brought me back to back when i was a teenager and and learning to program you know in basic and stuff like that but Mm -hmm. at a whole other level and after kind of hacking around with javascript for widgets and stuff in 2020 uh, using scriptable which is fine but like javascript is uh frustrating and hacking around in 2019 with php for six colors wordpress themes in 21 i did python because i wanted to and i liked it and i'm glad i did it so just trying to keep my brain plastic and uh learning new things and applying all of that to other automation stuff and shortcuts and stream deck and all of that kind of stuff a lot of fun so that in hind in hindsight um i'm actually pretty happy with the changes that i made and the things i learned in 2021 that's what i was going for all right thank you for listening to this uh i think very special new year's edition of upgrade uh ask upgrade will be back next week if you'd like to send in a question for us to answer on the show just send out a tweet with the hashtag ask upgrade or use question mark ask upgrade in the relay fm (laughs) members discord no 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 no. next time next time Please, please rescind the lasers. No, the lasers, if you don't shoot the lasers off every so often, they, they break. They just explode. So those lasers were just released into the cosmos. And then we didn't do it last time, so it does make sense that you did that. Yeah. It was probably for the best. Yeah. Uh, thank you so much to Bombas, Fitbod, and DoorDash for their support of this week's episode. Thank you for listening. Uh, thank you if you uh, are a member and support the show too. We really, really appreciate that. If you want to find Jason online, you can go to sixcolors.com and he's at Jason L on Twitter, J S N E W L. I am at iMike, I M Y K E. I would very much like it if you would take a look at the Theme System Journal. Go to themesystem.com and you can find out a little bit more about what that is. Some of this conversation today has been of interest to you. Uh, we'll be back next time. Until then, say goodbye, Jason Snell. Goodbye, everybody. Bye.